Today, I'm identifying houses of worship, churches as essential places that provide essential services. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The ministers, pastors, I know them well. They love their congregations. They love their people. Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. A million, a million dollar lottery, and I hit the big, big ball and won uh, $30 billion, and that's what brought me to God. Or, you know, I achieved some great accomplishment and some high level of success, and that success brought me to God. Or everyone was a fan of me, and that's what brought me to God. But that's not what brought me to God. It was the abundance of pain, the abundance of failure, the abundance of shame, the abundance of destruction, a life of wickedness, a life of sin. It's all these things in a nutshell. It was tears pouring out of my eyeballs that brought me to God. Amen. And so this is where this sermon came from. It came from in the time that I really became a Christian. It was when I failed myself. I failed myself and I failed at life and I had no hope. And there was something in the belly of my soul where I was no longer wanting to live anymore. I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. There was something within the pit of my soul, the bosom, the diaphragm, deep, deep, deep within me. There was an outcry. There was an outcry to Jesus. And in that outcry to Jesus was the birth of a new beginning for me, a new life. Amen. It was at that point, it was, there was something in that outcry that it touched the heart of God. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church. Today's message is outcry. Outcry. That means to cry out. Amen. It's weird how the Bible talks about certain things. It says better is the house of mourning than in the house of mirth, which means that there are some perspectives that we get when we're in a place of pain. Sometimes a place of pain, it brings stuff out of us. Sometimes when people are sick, and they're going through suffering and they're really, their body has betrayed them and they have sickness. There's a cry out. Anyone ever been really, really, really sick? And, and that, in that sickness, it, it, it's like it stole your desire to live. It just sucked all the fun out of life. Sucked all the joy. You couldn't enjoy food. Whatever your hobbies are, you didn't care because your body was just in constant pain, trouble breathing. 
You see, it's in those places where sometimes we can have an outcry that will pierce the kingdom of heaven, that will draw the attention of the Almighty God. Amen. So this is not a uh, depressing, um, uh, a sad testimony, not a sad uh, message. This is actually something that all of us, we go through when we really move the heart of God. Amen. I want to talk to you today about outcry. God always hears the outcry of those who suffer injustice. Some justice is instant and some is in the next life. Now, if I were to sit down and talk to every single one of you individually, I know I can get some stories of some witnesses of where you have been done wrong, where you suffered injustice, whether you went to court and the judge uh, gave you some injustice, or in your family, your, your parents, your, your children, your neighbors, your employer, your job that you worked through, they gave someone else a promotion and not you. There's all types of injustices taking place. Why is it that we are free to come to church and worship Jesus in America, but if you go just uh, two, three hours down the road north to Canada, they're not free to go to church. Why is that? Just a couple hours north, and they don't have the freedom to come together. What is going on with the injustices where it ain't like a virus uh, goes to a borderline and says, well, in America they could have church, it's safe, but in Canada, oh no, the, the, uh, we can't operate. You know, it, it, it don't, things don't make sense of what you see is going on right now. It's not making any sense. But you see, there is injustices taking place all around. But I want to tell you, sometimes we expect justice instantly, and sometimes it doesn't happen, and we could get discouraged. Well, God, if you're all-powerful, you're all in control, why are you permitting all these injustices to take place? And I want to ensure you with this encouragement here and this biblical truth that there is not one injustice that will be done to you that will go undeemed with God. God will make the crooked things straight. He will correct the wrongs done. It might not be instant, but at one point in time, everyone is going to have to give an account, Jesus said, for every idle word they speak, every tongue that rose against you in judgment, every person who talked about you like a dog, every person who lied on you, all these injustices, they will become just either instantly or in the next life to come. But they will, they will get corrected. Amen? And in that, we have to trust God. That he is the ultimate judge. Now I have a biblical trivial question for you. Trivia question and trivial, both trivia. Let me ask you a question. By a show of hands... If you forgive someone, does that mean God forgives them? If you believe if you forgive someone, that automatically means God forgives them. Raise your hand. If you forgive someone, 
that automatically means God forgives them. Raise your hand. Uh-oh, come on now. Now I see some of you jump ship on me. All right, it's okay. It's okay. If you forgive someone, how many of you believe that doesn't automatically mean God forgives them? Raise your hand. If you forgive someone, how many of you believe that does not automatically mean God forgives them? Okay, here's the thing. Just because you forgive someone, they still have to repent and get right with God. That's sin. All sin is against God and God alone, David said. So just because you forgive them doesn't mean that they necessarily escaped. I'm not saying we should pray for destruction for our enemies. We should love them and forgive them and bless those who curse you. But I'm saying this, folks. Just because you forgive them doesn't mean that God is automatically going to remove that potential consequence of them doing wrong. Now, God, if they repent before God and ask God to forgive them, and God can have mercy, and he, can, he will forgive them, but just because he forgives them doesn't mean he's automatically going to remove all. If you commit fornication... And you sleep with someone that's not your wife. God would and will forgive you if you repent of that. But that doesn't mean the baby is magically going to disappear. There are consequences to certain things, folks. God always hears the outcries of those who suffer injustice. Some, some justice is instant and some is in next life. God is awesome. He is awesome. I've seen people do things to me and God immediately there was consequences for them like instantly right away and God let me see it sometimes God wants to he wants you to see how he feels about you sometimes God wants you to see what's going to happen when people come against you when you're being led by the spirit why because you are the apple of his eye you are his child and if someone touches a child of God, God's not happy with that. In Genesis 4.10, we see an illustration. It says, and he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cried unto me from the ground. Isn't that something to think about? This was the first murder that we see take place in the Bible. And it says that the God is so in touch with the creation that even the blood of man, when it's spilled down to the ground unjustly, God is concerned about it. There is not one life that dies that does not affect the heart of God. Life is so precious to God that he's even in touch with the blood that left the body of the person. He's, his, the Holy Spirit is connected even with the, the cells. He's concerned. There is a cry out from the blood of the earth. And you see all this murder taking place in some of the cities where there's killings and shootings over gang territory, over greed, over pride, over all these things. God is concerned about all of that. 
And just because we don't see an instant change does not mean that there will delay justice is not denied justice with God. I don't care how long that delay is. It does not mean deny. Let the church say. And now art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened up her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. You know, God asked, uh, uh, what did he ask? Cain, he said, where's your brother Abel? And he said, am I my brother's keeper? You know what? When God asks the question, it's always rhetorical. He always knows the answer before he asks it. How many of you mature folks remember Columbo? Show of hands. You remember Columbo? Columbo, he never had an iron suit on. He never had an iron shirt. He just looked like he had bed bugs at his house. Right? But he was like a prodigy in being a detective. For some of you younger folks, how, how many folks, how many of you know the show Monk? You heard of the show Monk with the detective Monk? Monk was cool, but he was something, something was wrong with him. Like he, he had to touch everything. Everywhere he went, he had to touch everything. But then he was a germaphobe. But yet he had to touch everything everywhere he went, and he would wash his hands. There was something wrong with him. But he had a prodigy. And a lot of times they would go around the predator or the person who killed, and they would just play with them. And the person would think that they were so slick that they outwitted justice, that they got away with murder, and there no one on earth, they plotted it, they planned it, they put all this energy, they had a conspiracy going on so that they could kill this person and get away with it, they thought about it, they did all these things. And both Monk and Columbo, they would taunt them. See, they would see things that the human, other folks wouldn't see. And they would talk to them, and they, they, they would pretend, play. They would look dumb. They would play with them. But they, you see, people who have done injustices to you, God will play with them. Allow them to think they got away with something, but in reality, they have not. Amen. But here's the thing. There was an outcry from that injustice that awoke God. It was an outcry from the blood. I want to talk to you today about outcry. God has limitations of how much abuse he will permit before his wrath is activated. Amen? I'm going to say that again. God has a limitation of how much abuse he will permit before his wrath is activated. In other words, God is not going to allow things to go on for so long. Some people, they put all their hope in man, in politics, in the White House, and China, 
Some people, they put all their trust in that. Some people put all their hope and trust in money. And the people that are billionaires, trillionaires, they think that they have sovereign control. There is only one who has absolute supreme control, and that is Jesus Christ, and he is still on the throne. In Genesis 19, 12, it says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides the son of law, the son-in-law, and the sons and the daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because why? Why is God going to destroy it? Because the cry of them See, there were people in the city in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, we know, we recognize, we appreciate that there was homosexuality. Probably there was pedophilia taking place, child molesting taking place, uh, domestic violence taking place. There was greed and robbery. There was a lot of stuff taking place. And we, we, we realized that God did not want to allow that, and he destroyed it for that reason. I'm not denying that. But I'm only emphasizing on this point that a major role was not any of those things of why he destroyed it. He heard the outcry of these people that were suffering beyond limitation. And God is moved when he hears the outcry. Look at what it says, folks. Read it with me. It says, and the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides the son-in-laws and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Folks, I'm telling you, there's going to be some major movements taking place. God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and evermore. I change not. On that note, we have the power as souls covered under the blood of Jesus. Folks, there have been folks coming up to this altar who have been crying out to God. I've seen it. There have been some folks who have been giving their life to Jesus. And I want to tell you, every cry that dropped at this altar right here is moving the heart of God. And not just right here as if we have a monopoly on God and we are the only true church. I'm not saying that. At the altar call, when people are giving their heart to God and they're crying out to God, I'm telling you, I'm anticipating there is going to be changes taking place. That what the enemy is using against us, we are going to use that very attack 
This is the enemy's fiery dart. We're going to use that as a stepping stone. He's going to hit us again with another fiery dart. We're going to use that as another stepping stone. He's going to come at us again because he don't learn his lesson easy. And we're going to use that as another stepping stone. When you cry out to God. When you cry out to God. He, his heart is moved. It says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Sometimes the hardest folks to witness is our own family. He heard literally, he literally had angels speak unto him. And it ain't like he was given like a secondhand knowledge from God. It was direct. Them, them, them angels were physically, spiritually in the presence of God, heard from God, came down to earth, gave him a message, and still the family, well, he might be playing. When our needs and desires hit desperation level, we produce an outcry that cannot be stopped. I'm going to say that again. When our needs and our desire hit a desperation level, we produce an outcry that cannot be stopped. See, there are people, carnal, worldly, unbelievers in your life, and if you tell them about some of the struggles that you've gone through, they would look down on you, and they would see that as a weakness. They would see that as a disadvantage, that you've been so broken. You've been so downtrodden. You suffered so severely. You've come close to death, and they would look at that as a weakness, but you see, God has a different lens. He would look at that as a strength and a propel that would cause you to cry out to God, that would open up the ears of the Lord to your soul. Boy, if I could just go back in time, 2002, in December, and reflect on the time when I saw no hope, didn't want to live anymore, was ready to give up on life, everyone turned their back on me, all my family, all my friends, I was all alone. And I was right in the place where God wanted me to be. And I dropped to my knees almost involuntarily from the weight of the pain that was crushing me. There is a weight of pain in this life that can bring you to your knees. 
There's a pain, a suffering, a disappointment, a loss that's so great, it can bring you down to your knees. And it was in that place where I released one of the greatest outcries in my life. And I got to tell you, I would not trade that moment. I would not trade that moment for all the world. And Luke 18.35, and it came to pass that as he was come nigh into Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. He was begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by and he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Here this man was blind. He was begging. He did not know any other way. That was his life. Can you imagine you can't see the beauty of the ocean, the beauty of the trees, the beauty of the sky? The beauty of your spouse. The beauty of your pastor. <laughs> Could you imagine not being able to see all those things and you just only know a life of lowliness and you're, nobody cares about you. You have no value. You have nowhere to go. No appointments, no schedule, no job, no commitment. You just live that life. And at one point, you decide enough is enough. I've had it. I can't keep going on in this direction. And you release an outcry in 38. And he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when they which went before. See, there are some people that went before you and they don't want to see you be blessed. There are some people that went before him and instead of encouraging him, lifting him up, telling him, go forward, they did what? They rebuked him. Sometimes when you outcry to Jesus, instead of other people trying to bless you, they will rebuke you. I did a whole entire sermon on this one principle called spiritual blockers. The devil will always put people in your path to try to block you from getting to God. Folks, I'm not a prophet, although I prophesy. I know for sure that there were some people that tried to block you from getting to church today. There was some obstacles that got in your way, that tried to slow you down, that tried to hinder you, to try to stop you from getting to the word of God, which is Jesus. They rebuked him that he should hold his peace. It says, but he cried so much 
the more the son of David have mercy on me. So he already had an outcry. They tried to rebuke him. They tried to block him. They tried to slow him down. The more they tried to block him, the louder he cried out. The more the devil tries to stop you. you look, when you get closer to God, there are going to be some rebukings. There are going to be the enemy trying to mess with you. He's going to try to do all kinds of things. That's not the time to draw back. That's the time to move forward in the name of Jesus. See, there's a reason, folks, uh, the last altar call that we did and folks gave their life to the Lord. When I shouted out and I screamed, I'm not doing that for theatrics. I'm not doing that because I copied off of someone else. In fact, I've never seen anyone as weird as me that would cry out the way that I did. I did it as unto the Lord because I wanted the Lord to know that we are shouting with joy and with victory. The only one that should be mad and ashamed is the devil. God is good. But he cried the more. Or we could just be all religious and pious and holier than thou. It's how religious people walk. Oh, most graciously God, if somehow you could, if you would, we know that you should. Trouble yourself for my blind eyes. And if you could trouble yourself in your time. I know you're busy, Lord. Could you consider me a blind beggar? According to the theological seminary of the hermeneutics and homiletics, I have to approach you in a certain way. Oh, gracious God. Look, when you get so desperate... You don't have time. You don't know what I'm saying just yet. Let, let, me, let me give you another scenario. There was a time where I was driving home from church. Not driving home from the strip club. Not from the bar. Not from the club. I was driving home from church. And I drove on West 25th coming from my, old, my home church back before I was even a deacon. And I was driving home, going to Cleveland and Henninger, and um, I hit some black ice. And this was in the middle by the bridge, the freeway over there on West 25th, and by the Metro Hospital, the freeway right there. And I hit a patch of black ice, and I lost complete control of my car. And my car started spinning in donuts, in circles. I, I had no... no hit the brake, the gas, turn it, it didn't matter. The car was spinning. And I had an old hoopty with tires balder than my head. And when I hit that black ice, it started going, 
And the only thing, I didn't have time to think about it. I didn't have time to flip through the Bible and look up a scripture of mine. I didn't have time to call my pastor and ask for prayer. There was an outcry of desperation that just came from my soul. And the only name that I could come up with was not Muhammad, was not Buddha, was not Mormon, Joseph Smith. It wasn't Allah. The only name without any thought from the abyss of my soul was Jesus. And I cried when I hit that black ice. And I went home without one God aligned. I don't know if he sent an angel and straightened my hoopty, but it, he straightened it right on West 25th without any scratches, any accidents. I've drove, drove in on Euclid Avenue where I've seen police cars in the ditch and uh, 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 ambulance in the ditch and every other car was in the ditch, but yet my car kept trucking through with bold tires unfit for the road. And my car would hump through. There's an outcry. Folks, I'm telling you, there is an outcry that comes from the soul that really moves God. The love of God is so powerful that for our outcry, it releases His grace, mercy, forgiveness, and healing. And Luke 1840, it says, And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Now, do you know, he never thought Jesus was an ophthalmologist, that he was going to perform some retina surgery or a detachment of the retina and align it perfectly. He didn't go for all that. See, sometimes we think that through our abundance of education and knowledge and intelligence that that earns us a closer place with God. But on the flip side, it does not keep you from God, but it doesn't bring you closer to God. It is in the sincerity and the faith of your heart that moves God. God didn't ask for his IQ. He could have been a genius prodigy, or he could have been dumb as a box of rocks. And God wasn't doing that. He was looking at his faith. He, you don't think Jesus saw the other folks that were before him rebuke him? You don't think Jesus saw those try to hold him back, and Jesus watched them, him press through? Every press through that you've done, God has noticed it. Amen. He has noticed it. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise unto God. And outcry is only as meaningful as to who it's outcried to. 
Folks, you can outcry to a tree all you want. I mean, you can do it. You can outcry to a tree. I don't care if it's an oak tree, a banana tree, an orange tree, pineapple tree. You can outcry all you want, but that tree has no power. Not like Jesus. Jesus said, he said this. Jesus said this. He said, all power has been given unto me. And, and folks, when you outcry to Jesus, you can't go wrong. Matthew 14.30 But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. Now, a lot of times in this scripture, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I agree with you before I even get ready to say what I say. A lot of times we, we, we beat up on Peter and we say, oh, you, why did you doubt Peter? You, you were walking on water and you doubted, you shameful person, you. And then he began to sink. You know, why did you look at the boisterous wind? First of all, if you can step into your bathtub and walk on water, I give you props. Let alone a boisterous lake or a creek where there's water rushing and dangers coming and, you know, you can drown. That takes a whole nother level of faith. So here's my thing. He did have lack of faith and, which, and fear which caused him to sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. But equally so, when he went to outcry... He didn't cry out to the Torah. He didn't cry out to the rabbi. You don't think there were great rabbis in that day that were doing great things? He didn't cry out to his money. He didn't cry out to mama. I'm sure Peter had a great mama. Probably can whip up some matzo ball soup like no one's business. But yeah, he didn't cry out to mama. You see... That showed where his faith was. Who, when you're really in a desperate situation, and you're really in an emergency situation, who you cry out to makes all the difference. He could have cried out to the person closer. He could have cried out to the captain of the ship. He could have cried out to one of his partners that could have reached out. Because it didn't say that he jogged and went for like a mile lap on the water. It just says he stepped out, right? So you step out like this, right? And he began to walk on water. Probably everyone on the boat, he could have cried out to them. But he didn't. He cried out to Jesus. Lord, save me. Intense outcry to Jesus from intense danger produces immediate results. Folks, when I hit that black ice and I cried out with all the abundance of urgency, God didn't wait an hour until my car was hanging over the bridge. He helped me immediately. Man, I'm telling you, there is an immediate Sometimes God waits hours and years, but there's other times God will help you instantly. Instantly. 
Matthew 14, 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when thy were come into the ship, the wind ceased. So yeah, Peter doubted when he took his eyes off of Jesus. But he regained his faith when he cried back out to Jesus. Amen. Do you see that? Because what if he didn't cry out to Jesus? And he would have said, oh, Buddha. Jesus would be like, well, let Buddha help you. And he caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Do you know from my testimony of my place where I cried out to God, I've shared that testimony, I don't know, umpteen times, I don't know how many times. I've shared it, but in my testimony of my cry out, that has built up the faith of Muslims, atheists, Jehovah Witness, more folks of all types of religions. It drew them closer to Jesus. There is a cry out that can transcend the boundaries of religion. There is an outcry that will transcend the boundaries of religion. A collective shout out from God's people will activate God's power. Now up until now, we were talking about the outcry of an individual. And we saw the results and the movement of God from one individual. Now what happens collectively if a church comes together with that same level of hunger, that same level of desperation, that same level of faith, and releases an outcry to God, what would happen? What would happen? A collective shout out from God's people will activate the power of God. In Joshua 6.20 it says, And the people... Someone say, people. people. How many of you know we are people? I am a person, but we are people. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass. When the people heard, 
the shout, the sound of the trumpet. And people shouted with a whisper. They shouted with insecurity. They shouted with doubt. There was a uh, cleaning agent. It was called Shout. And in the 80s, they used to have a commercial, 80s and 90s, they used to have a commercial that would say, shout it out. Amen? Because they knew that if you applied the right amount of shout, that that stain would come out. And all you had to do is shout it out. If one squirt didn't shout it out, shout it again. Sometimes it required three squirts. But I'll tell you, if you apply the right amount of shout, that dirt, that stain doesn't have a chance. See, there's not an outcry just of desperation. Not every outcry is from pain. Not every outcry is from desperation. Not every outcry is from suffering. Sometimes there's an outcry Equally so from the diaphragm, from the gut of your soul, from faith in Jesus Christ, letting your enemies know that Jesus is going to give all the victory over all the works of the enemy. The people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that people went into the city, even when every man straight before him, they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and women, young and old, ox and sheep, ass and with the edge of the sword. How many of you know that we have the sword of God? We have the Word of God. And when we combine the Word of God with a shout, there is nothing that the enemy can do to hinder God's church. An outcry is not a lack of faith, but an abundance of faith and proof of where our faith is in. Amen? In Romans 8, 26, and this is my last scripture, folks. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth the infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for we as, as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Amen. There, I believe, I believe there is an outcry that God gave you that can be released into the atmosphere that will tear down walls. It will tear down addictions. It will tear down sickness. It will tear down depression, anxiety, fear, doubt, unbelief, all the attacks of the enemy that he has plotted against you. I believe you possess an outcry that is waiting to be released. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet. 
And on the count of three, I'm going to encourage you to release an outcry. And I want you to release an outcry, not just a blanket outcry, not just a random outcry, not just a, a, a gambling outcry. I, I want you to have something in your mind, something in your heart that has been tormenting you long enough. A curse that just seems like it just won't go away. A problem that you feel has gone too far, too long. Somebody in your family that needs their shackles to be released. Some soul in your family that needs a touch from God, a healing from God, a blessing from God, an opening in the windows of heaven to be poured out today. I want you to have that in your mind. And on the count of three, we're going to release a shout that is going to send demons running with fear. Every horde in hell is going to regret touching you. Every curse, every messenger of Satan that has been sent with an ungodly mission is going to run from you as far as possible. In Jesus' name. One, two, three, hallelujah, hallelujah, hey, shandararagosia, shandararagosia, By the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Bible says faith without works is dead? You see, a defeated person has no business shouting. A person who has given up has, can't shout anymore. But you still got shout left in you. That means the enemy don't have a chance. Amen. Amen. I'm trusting for testimonies to come forward. Miracles that already took place right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if there's anybody here, I'm going to ask that you come forward to the altar. 
at this time. If there's anybody, if you could come through the middle lane, if there's anybody who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anybody here who doesn't know exactly what would happen if they were to die right here today? Amen. If you were to die right now, you're not sure what would happen to you. Amen. Praise God. That's, that's all right. No one came forward. I, let's get a Lord a hand clap for that. Amen. 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 Okay, hold up. If there's anyone here that is not 100% sure, you know you're saved, that's good. That's awesome. But the Bible says that we have a right to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with fire. If there's anybody in here who is not 100% sure that they have the gift of the Holy Spirit with fire, I'm going to ask that you come forward in the middle row. And we're going to pray that God gives it to you right now. Not tomorrow, not an hour from now, right now. If you're not 100% sure that you have the Holy Ghost with the gift operating through you, evidence that you have the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask that you come forward. Okay, I'm going to do one more request as the Lord's putting on my heart. Is there anybody in here who has the Holy Spirit, has the fire of God, but you want more? You want a greater, a, a new gift, a new gift that God can give you, a gift of prophecy, a gift of tongues, a gift of preaching, a gift of teaching, a gift of a word of knowledge, a gift of miracles, a gift of healing. If you want God to give you another gift, we're going to pray that God increase your gifts. Paul said that I would have that you all speak in tongues. Amen. So we're going to pray that God gives you a new gift. Amen. I'm going to ask that you guys all just come to the altar over here. Uh, everyone, just surround the altar for those that want to receive more of God, another gift. I don't know what the gift is, prophecy, preaching, teaching, interpretation of just so many gifts, a gift of encouragement, a gift of serving. A lot of times we overlook that, a gift of serving. That's one of the most important gifts. Amen. I'm going to ask that you guys come closer, closer. Amen. And, and I'm not going to lay hands on anybody. I'm not going to lay hands on anyone. I'm going to let the Lord lay hands on you. Amen. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Ghost gives you another gift. Amen. I'm going to pray that he gives you another gift. I'm going to pray that the fire of God is so intense. So intense. I got to tell you, there was a time. There was a time where I was not in church. There was no prophet. There was no preacher. There was no pastor. It was just me in a jail cell. Me alone and God in a jail cell. And I cried out to God. And I felt the presence of God so strong on me that it actually paralyzed me. I rolled up in a fetal position. I couldn't move from the presence of God. See, there's, there are things about God that we have access to, but our lack of hunger, 
our lack of desperation, our lack of humility, it, uh, the devil uses our lack of humility from causing us to cry out to God. And a lot of times it's our pride that we, we don't seek God in the way that he wants us to seek him. Amen? So all you that came up here, those of you in the back, I'm going to ask that you pray with me for these in the front. We're going to pray that God increases their gifts, and we pray everything according to his will, but we know that it's his will to give us gifts. Amen? We know it's his will to give us gifts, and the gifts are not for self-glorification. The gifts are for edification for the body of Christ. The gifts are to build up one another in holiness and righteousness and encouragement with love. Amen. And we're going to pray right now. And for those of you in the back, I'm going to ask that you point your hands towards these folks in the front. And we're going to pray for a Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost fire to flood in their mind and their heart. Amen. Father God, by faith right now, Lord, I'm praying for an overflow. I'm praying for an overflow in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying that the fire of God will open up to every soul that's here today. Not strange fire, not strange fire, but the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Ghost will go into the minds and the souls of your people right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, for those who have a desire for gifts, for prophecy, for wisdom, for preaching and teaching. Lord, I pray that you loose their tongue, loose their mind, loose their heart, loose their soul, and let the Holy Ghost come in like a rushing wind right now in the name of Jesus, like a rushing wind, the rivers of living water that will flow from their belly right now, right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, 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 in Jesus' name. We count it done. 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 In Jesus' name. 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 Jesus' Amen, 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 amen. You receive what you received, amen, by faith, amen. I'm going to stand in God and declare that every single one of you have a greater fire from the Holy Spirit. You have a greater, a new gift that God gave you. Some of you are going to prophesy who have never prophesied before. Some of you are going to preach who have never preached before. Some of you are going to love on a higher level of loving. Some of you are going to have humility that you know came straight from the kingdom of heaven. 
Some of you are going to have a greater hunger to serve in God's kingdom. And it's going to be to the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And let the church say, Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me.